of internal controls. So, mm -hmm. can a questionnaire have these two? Can a questionnaire have some questions being ICQ and some being ICEQ? Like you mean in the same document? The same document. No, he will usually prepare different documents because one is just finding out whether the system is it. Then another one is evaluating the effectiveness of the system. Are you getting it? So you prepare different questionnaires for the two. Components of internal control systems. There are five components of the internal controls that we need to look out for. So we have what we call the control environment. So let me put them down and let's take them one after the other. Then, the risk assessment process. Then, information system. Four, control activities. And then five, monitoring. These are the five components of internal control system. So, every effective internal control by an organization, we must understand the control environment. The system must have within it its own risk assessment or processes. The system must be built in such a way that it can gather information enough for the organization to prepare its financial statement. There has to be control mechanisms in place, separation of duties, and there has to be monitoring. So let's look at them one after the other. Control environments. That is the core of the internal controls. So let's take the definition for that one, the control environment. This refers to the ethics and the culture of the organization. This refers to the ethics and the culture of the organization. It involves how people are recruited, how they are trained, the structure of the organization, responsibility, and accountability. So this has to do with what? Ethics and the culture within the organization. So it involves how people are recruited, how people are trained, what is the structure of the organization, who are responsible for what, and what is the accountability process within the organization. That is what we call the control environment. Remember, what is culture? Not in business, but what is culture? 
of a people. So when we talk about a controlled environment, we are talking about the way of life of what? The organization. So how does the organization does, how does it do its things? So how does it recruit people? How does it train people? What is the structure of the organization? When we talk about structure here, we, we can talk about whether the organization has many divisions or a single division. We are talking about who are the managers of the organization. All these things are important. Then who are responsible for what? Very important. And then who accounts to whom? That is very important. So that is the first level of internal control system. The culture and the ethical structure within an organization. Second, risk assessment process. Risk assessment process. This considers how management assesses, this considers how management assesses risks, sorry, material risks which might arise. This consists of, of yes, this looks at how management assesses material risks which might arise. So what does it mean? The system must be built in such a way that it should be able to detect, prevent, sorry, first prevent, detect, and correct any possible risks that are going to be arising within the organization. Now, when we talk about risk assessment at this level, we want to really look at risks from the external auditor's perspective. But risk assessment can, must be done also by what? Management. On a regular basis for them to identify what are the inherent risks they are facing and what are the control risks that they are facing. So the internal controls must be in such a place that they can assess what? All those risks. Remember that at this level, when we talk about risk assessment, it can be divided into this level. We have what we call compliance risks, we have what we call financial risks, and we have what we call the operational risks. So the internal controls must be in such a way that we can look at what? Compliance risks. Now when we say compliance risks, what do you think we are talking about? Good. So the organization itself, on a regular basis, must assess and identify whether it is adhering to what? Laws, regulations, directives, uh, and various acts in the industry that they are operating in. So that is the first level about the risk assessment. They must assess compliance risks. This is where internal auditors come to town, where internal auditors find out whether their company is operating in accordance with laws, in accordance with various regulations, in accordance with various directives. That's compliance risk. So if Bank of Ghana says, keep a minimum cap or a minimum uh, uh, capital or say whatever rates, maybe 10% uh, or 12.5%, we must assess to see whether the organization is adhering towards that directive. That's the idea of our compliance risk. If Ghana Revenue Authority says, or the tax law says, uh, file your tax returns at the end of every month or at the end of every quarter, are you doing that? That is what? Compliance risk. Are you getting the picture? Then we come to the second one, financial risks. 
What do you think this is about and why is it important for the company to undertake it? Rates of uh, money laundering. Rates of money laundering. Okay. You, so you mean the organization should assess whether it is laundering money or not? <laughs> is that what you're saying? No, it goes beyond that. It goes beyond that. Financial risks. So this has to do with risks as a result of what? Gearing or gearing. I get it. So gearing issues. Refinancing issues. What are the risks involved in refinancing? Access to sources of funds for the company. So we must assess that one on a regular basis. On a regular basis. This is important because remember, as external auditors, yeah, yeah, bar, we are going to be doing this. We're going to be doing this. But the internal of, uh, management must do this because this is their duty. Because this will affect the going concept status of what? The company. So that's the second one. Financial risks. About gearing ratio or gearing ratio. Refinancing scheme available and the various risks attached to it. Sources of funds that are available to the company and the various risks attached to those finances for the company. Then, the last one has to do with Remember, one of the things also about financial risks has to do with investments. If the company goes to invest some money, they have to look at the risks. There are a couple of companies complaining today that their money is locked up in the default uh, gold company, men's gold, and then also in, I think, um, Indus company. Uh, what's the name of the fund? Something, something, I've forgotten the name. They were having some challenges. So there are many. So when you are investing, there is going to be some financial risks that you are going to involve. Management must build the internal control system that there is that risk assessment of process. Then the third one has to do with operational risks. What is this risk about? What do you think this one will be about? Operational risks. It's about the day-to-day activities. Okay. Of the company. So these are rates that arise from the day-to-day operations of what? The company. Are you getting it? That is the operational risk. So what could be some example of this? If we are a financial institution, then our operational risk is going to be what? What will be one of our operational risks as a financial institution? Risk of uh, not receiving money that has been given out as what? Loans. Are you getting it? Then what else? Employment. So employees' risk could be here. Risks that our factory will get banned. So there may be some disaster. Accident. Product failure. All of these are some of the sources of operational risks. So there could be employees who are suing us for something. There could be disaster that happens without our control. There could be accidents as well that occurs, and then product failure. When there is a product failure, it is an operational risk. Why? Because when products fail, the organization has lost some money, and now they would have to now be under pressure to scoop their financial statements in such a way that they may be profitable. That is the idea about risk assessment. So apart from talking about uh, uh, control risks, financial risks, um, operational risks. These are core things. 
There are other risks that are under all of this. One of the things under financial risk could, and then, sorry, under operational risk could be forex exchange. That's under operational risk because if we buy goods from outside or raw materials from outside, then the exchange rate we face could be what an operational risk. So exchange rate issues are also part of the operational risk of the company. This is what we mean by risk assessment. Remember, this risk assessment is done by the management of the company to identify whether they are complying with the laws and regulations, whether they are not under pressure financially, and whether things are going on in their operations as an organization. Remember the flip side. When we come as external auditors, we will also assess this. Because all of these affect the going concern status of the company. Very important. So if, for instance, the company is not complying with laws and regulations, minimum capital has been increased to 400 million Ghana cities. If you don't have the money, what do you do? You go out on business. So if you can't comply with that minimum capital, that new legislation, which is closely related as well to financing, because you are not able to raise money, then you will be out of business very soon. Or if you lend money to people, or there is a disaster, or your product keeps on failing, then that means you can't operate in the next 12 months. That means you have to prepare the financial statement on what? Breakout basis. So management does these things on a regular basis in order for them to identify the various risks that the company is facing and how they can, most importantly, mitigate. If not, eliminate the risks. So sometimes when they identify, the objective is how do we reduce it, mitigation, or how do we remove it, elimination. So what are some of the ways through which some of these risks can be controlled, especially the operational risks? Mm -hmm. uh, we can ensure Good. Good. So we can use various insurance policies. Employees. If an employee has embezzled fund, there are insurance policies for uh, employee boundary or employee theft. So if you have insurance policy to cover that, that, that will help us to mitigate that risk. Accidents, we can ensure against natural disaster, fire outbreaks, and all those things. Then we can also uh, use um, 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 in foreign exchange, how do we mitigate that or eliminate that? Forex exchange risk, how do we mitigate or eliminate? We can eliminate by not buying from outside. <laughs> okay, so if we are not buying from outside, then what do we do then? What, what do we do? We, we get the goods from where? The internal source. Either we now construct or manufacture our own raw material locally, meaning we eliminate. But if we can't eliminate, we don't have the money to build factory, to do our farms to for the raw material, how do we mitigate? We need to use the treasury market, okay, by hedging. We use various hedging ones, techniques as a company in order for us to, yeah, they will learn this later on. Are you doing a financial management? Okay. Oh, oh, oh. but don't worry, we'll do it in strategic case study. It's waiting for you. There is a topic under that treasury management. So there are various ways you can hedge against what? The forex exchange So the idea of identifying this or assessing this risk is to find out how you can mitigate and how you can eliminate. Compliance risks, you can eliminate a lot of them by adhering to what? Various laws, various regulations, and various acts that have been issued. 
So that is it about risk assessment. So let's move on to the third one. Info system. Information system. This includes three things. One. So this includes the manual and procedure. The manual and procedure for recording. Manual and procedure for recording. Processing and reporting manual for recording, processing, and reporting transactions. It also includes the use of general, general entries. Then the last thing is information needed for accounting estimates. So the information system component of the internal controls is one of the key areas we'll be looking at as auditors because this is where the real thing happens. So what is the procedure for recording transactions, for processing transactions, for reporting the transactions? What are the various general entries that are made in the internal controls, that are made in the accounting system? Then what information does the organization use or is the organization uses using for various accounting estimates? Like looking at the estimated useful life of an asset. What information do they have available to help them to make all of those estimates? These are what refers to as the information system of the internal controls. Number four, control activities. Control activities. These are policies and procedures. These are policies and procedures that help ensure that that help ensure that management directives are carried out. These are policies and procedures that help ensure that management directives are carried out. This is also another key aspect of the internal control system. Because whatever management says the organization is supposed to do, are going to be carried out in their control activities. Now, when it comes to control activities, there are some elements of the control activities. 
So elements of control activities. The first element there is separating of duties. Separating of duties. Now when we say separating of duties, what do, we, what do you think we're talking about here? Separating of duties. What are we talking about? Breaking duties into small small activities Different group of people. Right. So for instance, the management of trade receivables from where order is received. Credit control is assessed. Goods are uh, taken to the from the store. Goods are dispatched, and who record and who goes for the money. These are various activities that are in the trade receivables or yes, the sales cycle. So separating of duties has to do with what? Letting different people what? undertake all of those things. I get it. So we put it this way. This means separating the responsibilities for. Separating the responsibilities for authorizing transactions. This means separating the responsibilities for authorizing transactions, recording transactions, and having custody of assets. And having custody of assets. Separating the responsibilities for authorizing transactions, recording transactions, and having custody to access to assets. So what does it mean? Like the example I was saying, from when an order is received, it has to be authorized, then sent to the maybe store department from there we take it to the accounts department for the invoice to be given then it comes back to the store department then goods are out dispatch after that after dispatch then that uh, we go and receive the money so these are the various activities that are undertaken in an organization's sales cycle. This may be an example. So, separation of duties, as we have said, has to do with managing the responsibility with what? Different people. So somebody is going to receive the order. Someone must approve or authorize the order. Someone must be here to what? And a store department to receive that order to find out whether the goods are available. If they are available, then the accounts department must prepare the invoice for that. Then it will be taken back to the store department for the goods to be dispatched. Then after that, somebody must also go and receive the money or take the money and deposit it in the bank. But this is what happens. In practice, the firm can say they have separated what? Duties. Now, if we use different employees to do these things, how many employees will we be having? One, two, three. Four, five, six employees, and pay all of them. So what happens in practice is that in the internal control manual, the organization may say they have separate what, duties, and that every employee does each of these aspects, meaning they have six employees. 
But when you are now reviewing or examining the internal control system, it will surprise you that of the six people, it's actually three people or two people that are doing all this work. Where the person who received the order is the same person who approves the order, and then the person at the store is the same person who was uh, despite the goods, and the person who authorized the order is the same person who goes for the cash. So meaning, in actual sense, instead of six people, we are going to be having only what? Two people manage the thing. But the standard thing is that there has to be that separation of duties. Why do we have to do this? To prevent what? Fraud and errors. So if somebody makes a mistake, then it will be transferred to another part. But if someone that makes a mistake and it transferred, then certainly the number is small. That is why it's going to be doing that. That's the first component or element. Second, authorization. Authorization. This means transactions should be approved by the appropriate person or persons. This means transactions should be approved by the appropriate person or persons. So what do we mean by authorization here? For instance, purchases of assets, purchases of non-current assets need an authorization. Somebody must sign that the asset should be bought. That is the idea of authorization. Then credits, sales. Somebody must approve before a sales must be made what? On credit. Writing off bad debts. Someone must approve it before it is done. Then, employees overtime. Someone must approve it. These are some examples of what we call authorization. So in the organization, when we come as auditors, every non-current asset purchase, we will go to the internal control manual and ask management, who authorizes the purchases of non-current assets? So that every non-current asset purchases invoice, we expect to see the person's what? Signature on those words, invoice. Meaning the person authorized it. So if we then come as external auditors and we see that the company has bought something, but that person who is supposed to approve the purchase of non-current assets signature is not on it, then that could be what? A weakness in the internal controls. That could be an error. That could be a fraud. That could be a material misstatement in the organization. So that's the second element, authorization of things. Third, comparison. Comparison. This refers to this refers to comparing results of actual performance. This refers to comparing results of actual performance 
against predetermined or book value performance. Actual performance against predetermined or book value performance. So what does that mean? Comparison here simply means, for instance, example, it can result from inventory count. So on our store ledger card, the store ledger card is showing that closing inventory is 2,500. Comparison means we go and count the inventories physically to see if it is physically 500 and it's, uh, it's the same as what is written on the paper. That is the idea about what? Comparison. So that is the idea about comparison. Then another way of comparison is also to look at the issues about our asset register. So our asset register is showing that the company has 10 fleets of vehicles or 10 fleets of cars. Okay, we go and count the fleets to find out if it is actually what? 10. That is the idea of comparison. So you are comparing the actual thing in place against the book or the recorded word, activity. That is the idea of comparison. Next one. is computer controls computer controls now we will look at this later but so let's let's take the definition this refers to the use of information system this refers to the use of information system to automate certain activities within the organization. This refers to the use of information system to automate certain activities in the organization. All right, so here we will just build the system down, the internal control system down. So we will say that if you put this in, A and B should happen. So you have pre-programmed the, pro, uh, the uh, software, the IT system there. So anytime the transaction enters, it will look at it and then what? Approve it later on in that case. For instance, um, the ICA study portal, sorry, student portal. I don't know how they approve. I think they do approval by manual approval. But a way they can do that using computer controls is where they will put the criteria down. That everybody with first degree in uh, accounting or finance, if that person applies automatically, that person should be given exemption of a one, two, three, four, five subjects. So in that case, anytime a new student registers and that student uploads his first degree in accounting and finance, the system automatically will give what? The person knows what? Exemptions. So you don't need manual to come and sit and say, hey, uh, accounting and finance way, where was school way into and those. No, it is automated, so it's going to flow like that. That is one way that a control activity is done. 
Then let's look at the well, I still have a lot of things there. Let me add the last one. Arithmetic control. Arithmetic control. These are reperformance procedures. These are reperformance procedures to ensure that these are reperformance procedures to ensure that transactions are recorded to ensure that transactions are recorded at their accurate value. Transactions are recorded at their accurate value. Okay, so that's it. There are other things there though, but I'll just end on these five things. And that is about the control environment. Finally, monitoring. Monitoring. This refers to a regular examination of internal controls. This refers to the irregular examination of internal controls to identify whether they are working efficiently or effectively. To identify whether they are working efficiently or effectively. Right, that is in the idea about that. So monitoring has to do, this is a role of internal auditors, AI. Internal auditors. So internal auditors must regularly monitor the internal controls. Remember, we will look at internal auditors later on, but one of their role is to be involved in the design of internal control system and then also monitoring of the internal control system to find out if the separating of duties is working well, if the right people are authorizing transactions, if things are being done compared to the way they are supposed to be done, if risk assessment is being done, all of these things are the role of the internal auditors. Managers cannot do this, it's the internal auditors that do this. So these are what we call the components of the internal controls. Control, any question? Okay. Now, even though the auditor can place reliance on the internal control system, there are some inherent limitations on the internal control system. So let's look at the inherent limitations of internal controls. What do you think are some of maybe some of the limitations? I've, been, I've spoken about some of them. We say we should have a control environment the way people are recruited, the way people are trained, the structure of the organization. We say that we should undertake a regular risk assessment. We say we should have some internal control system in place to record, to uh, uh, 
classify and to report transactions. We said there should be control activities, we should separate duties, there should be monitoring. Can we really do this? That's what we want to look at here. The inherent limitation of internal control. What do you think may be some of the ways where an organization cannot put in actual practice what they write out in their internal control manual? Mm -hmm. Any idea? Anything inherent means it's not real, right? Like, uh, it's not something that is done. It's something that is built into the system because of the way the system is designed.